1: Wednesdays at 5pm. Melbourne's Drive Time Radio Program, featuring community organisations, powerful stories and information. Find us at brainwaves.org.au. Proudly sponsored by Wellways Australia.
2: Hello and welcome to Brainwaves on 3CR 855am, 3CR Digital Radio and 3CR.org.au. My name is Kaylin and today from the Brainwaves team we have Susie who will be interviewing our guest Phil today. Now, before we get started, I'd like to begin by acknowledging and paying my respects to the Wurundjeri people of the Kula Nation. They are the traditional custodians of the land, in which I'm coming to you from today. And this is land where we here at Brainwaves tell our stories, land where stories have been told by the traditional owners for many years before us. I'd like to pay my respects to their elders past and present and acknowledge all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander listeners who may be listening in today. Thank you, Kaylinn. My name is Susie and today I'll be chatting to Phil
0: Hazel about his experience of early-stage dementia. We plan to make the show as a series of three on this increasingly relevant topic. We'd like to, down the track, to take a look at the topic also from the perspective of a carer as as well as looking at the scientific advances in the field. A lot of research is being conducted at the moment on neuroplasticity, reducing inflammation, improving immune system responses and medication. Phil's background includes working extensively in optometry and I would describe him as an entrepreneur. He was heavily involved in the manufacture of electronic magnification for macular degeneration of all things and he's been involved in other projects and businesses. Phil's married to Jan and has two daughters, a cat, and very importantly, a helper dog. They, his brother and mother, are all very supportive. He loves fishing and camping and is very disappointed to no longer be licensed to drive his car and beloved jet boat. Phil retired after developing Alzheimer's disease at a young age. However, as you are about to find out, Phil lives a very rich and fulfilling life as an advocate for those suffering with dementia. Phil and his helper dog Sarah fly around Australia and the world regularly speaking at public and business events about dementia. In fact, he's speaking in Melbourne in August and I'm hoping to get there. His immediate past included being chair of Dementia Australia, the advisory committee, and he's he's still a very busy advocate. Phil has recently been involved in Dementia Australia's Consumer Summit in Canberra, is part of the 3DN Lesser Common Dementia Advisory Group with the University of New South Wales. He's participated in the project with Australian Commission for Safety and Quality in Healthcare, developing consumer resources for people living with cognitive impairment. He's also participated on a, as a panel member for the launch of Dementia Action Week at the Sydney Opera House with Ita Buttrose and other people, including Maggie Beer. Phil has also been a guest for Studio 10 and ABC TV morning show speaking about dementia and discrimination against people with dementia and the response to the royal commission into aged care quality and safety so as you can see phil leads an extraordinarily fulfilling life and we are lucky enough to get him here on brainwaves so welcome to brainwaves phil hazel
1: thank you susie i appreciate you asking me to come on
0: um i think it's very courageous of you and i'm very um pleased i think a lot of people will be really interested to hear your story um Phil, is there anything else you would like to share about your background apart from what we mentioned in the intro?
1: Um, no, I guess other other than to say, Dementia Australia has become so important in my life yes. since then. But we'll perhaps touch on that a little later.
0: Okay, um, I guess just for for a, a bit of background, additional additional to what we've already discussed. Phil, how old are you and how old were you when you started to realise that things were not quite right and how did this happen?
1: I've just turned 63. I was diagnosed at 55. But Jan started to notice some changes, uh, probably from 53 onwards. Yes. Um, And it was... I was losing my confidence in some things. Mm. You know, I couldn't put something basic together like a hose reel from Bunnings or something like I couldn't follow instructions. Yes. And I was it would make me angry and I just couldn't understand why, because I've always been good at that sort of thing. Yeah. And I was putting everyday items in weird places and forgetting where things were. I was in. oh, this is really embarrassing. When I was out and about. And I'd meet people, I would reintroduce myself to the same person Mm. because I could, because of my short term memory. Mm. And it was incredibly embarrassing. Or um, trying to remember even two or three drinks when I went to the bar. uh, Jam would usually come with me because there's no way in the world I could remember three drinks. I could only remember mine. So I guess it's got that social aspect to it as well.
0: Yes. Yeah, um, so those were your main symptoms. Um, What investigations did you go through then? From what point? Like Jan, first of all, how did she discuss it with you or what happened? Well, I,
1: I did talk about it to Jan and we went to the GP and discussed it and we thought, well, perhaps I should get a checkup with a neurologist. So we did that. It took about three months to get a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. I, I think I had scans. I'm not sure exactly what type of scans they were, but we had to do a lot of forms uh, yes. in terms of cognitive tests and all that sort of thing. Yeah. And um, I found that disheartening. I found it frustrating because it laid it bare in front of me um, that I did have a problem. Yes. Yeah, so-
0: um,
1: yeah. So that so that was tough. But you know, the worst thing, Susie, was right at the end of seeing the specialist. He just said, "Go and get your affairs in order." Yeah,
0: that That's would it. be devastating. Absolutely devastating.
1: So, Jen and I left bawling our eyes out, not knowing what's ahead of us. We didn't know a lot about dementia.
0: Yes.
1: And I thought, oh my god, am I going to cark it? Yeah. soon. Why would he be so insistent on that so quickly? But the thing is, he didn't even recommend Dementia Australia. Yes. I mean, seriously, that's got to be top of mind when they're giving someone a, a diagnosis of, in my case, younger onset dementia. That's the absolute bare minimum.
0: Absolutely. Of
1: information that should be passed on
0: the The thing I'm, I've been reading as well is that when you do start with younger onset dementia, because you've got generally better cognitive function than, say, someone who starts with an old age, you're more aware of what's going on and you are more prone to depression and anxiety because of that, because you've got more awareness, because you're just generally younger. And um, certainly that that was not what you'd call optimum medical treatment, is it, what? What you experienced? Um, no,
1: it's yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's bad people skills. It's it's bad follow up. Um, you know. Anyway.
0: Yeah. So I'm presuming you moved on from that person.
1: Ah, uh, yes, yes, I yes, did, Susan. Yes, yeah. And we've got a marvelous, actually, uh, as a surprise, the practitioner that that looks after Jan and I is now a psychiatrist, and psychiatrist had a parent that went through dementia and she had Deidre had a very clear understanding and she was able to understand us better than what the neurologist did yes and we've stayed with her and she's been absolutely fabulous
0: yes that's good um as you probably know Wellways um is a peer-led organization and that's The reason is because there is more understanding of issues if you've got experience in some way, shape or form. Um, Phil, just for a little bit more background, do you have a family history of cognitive issues?
1: Yeah, this is a bit weird because Dad got diagnosed with dementia at 85. Yes. Now, why I got diagnosed at 55, I'm not sure. I don't know whether there is a correlation or not. I'm not sure whether the neurologists know. Um, But yeah, I I think that's a bit weird that he got it so late and I got the short score.
0: Yes, you certainly did. Um, Just with regard to, you know, you were saying the importance of Dementia Australia. um, What treatments and interventions have you been recommended for you? And I guess which have been the most valuable?
1: Uh, it's it's definitely the opportunity to be an advocate. Yes, because that's that reinvented me after I retired, Susie, and I was able to concentrate on something new, and it was like leaving my old job but going to a new one.
0: Yeah.
1: So I it kept up my no, was, it it increased my self esteem again that I was being able to help others, but I was doing just as much help for myself. Um, that's probably the biggest change that Dementia Australia helped me make.
0: Yes. And they encourage. did you come up with the idea yourself or did they encourage you to do it?
1: No, they encouraged me to do it. I went yes. through an interview process and that very quickly led to being the chair of the Dementia Australia Advisory Committee. And um, I've finished the four years on that now, and I retired from the committee. So I've just gone through a second reincarnation, uh, and that's my uh, uh, much more speaking engagements uh, and also advocacy via Twitter.
0: Yes. Um, And of course, that's where I I met you on Twitter. So you're about the third person I've met that's an advocate, and we all have something in common, which is why we were all pulled together. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about other supports, apart from Dementia Australia, um, like um, medications, anything like that?
1: Yeah, I think two points there. Um, you have to have a really good relationship with your GP. Yes. And every time you see your GP, make sure you get an extended consultation. Yes. Because you need that extra time. Yes. And you need to do your homework before you go in and, and write all those things down. Medication. Um, I take a particular drug, I think it's called Aracet or something like that. Yes. I honestly don't feel any change. I know some people find it an enormous help, uh, but I, I can't judge if it's, it's helped or not, Susie. Yes,
0: yeah, so it's one of those things, isn't it? It's like face cream. If you put it on one side of your face only, you, after a year you might be able to see if, see if it yeah. worked. Yeah, But not so with that sort of medication. So on a day-to-day basis, what's your life like? Do you have systems in place?
1: Yeah, I do. Uh, number one, it's fulfilling. Uh, number two, um, I, I've fallen back on my organisational skills. So everything during the day I have diarised. It doesn't matter what I have to do. It's something that I cross off as yes. I go. Yeah. And at the end of the day, number one, I, I've finished the jobs I'm obligated to do in terms of Jan and I, yes. of which I should be obligated to do. So organizational skills are really important. I have a carer every Tuesday and Thursday. Many people with dementia lose their a lot of their friends after diagnosis. And that certainly um happened with me. So the relations, relationships I've had with people from dementia Australia and other people that have uh dementia have been incredibly important to me. Mm. But I've also made a lot of friends via Twitter. So you know I've got to say I'm doing okay.
0: Well, that's great. That's really good to hear. Um, I find you very inspiring with all the stuff that you do. Um, Basically, you've mentioned that you've got a a helper dog, Sarah, and is it Sarah or Sarah? Uh,
1: Sarah, she's my assistance dog.
0: And tell us a bit about the sort of things that Sarah assists you with.
1: Okay. Well, firstly, it takes two years to train an assistance dog, and it costs about $47,000 over two years. So an assistance dog is is very highly trained. Sarah will find uh, items around the house for me, like keys, wallet, phone, TV, remote. I mean, I could lie them on the floor and just say, pick up. Um, phone and she'll go to the correct item if she can't pick it up and it's on a bench she'll just sit in front of it so i know where it is when i'm out and about um let's say at the airport because i fly a lot obviously and and sarah's in the cabin with me if i'm at an airport and i'm starting to get confused and a little anxious sarah knows really before i do and she just stops
0: yeah
1: and i I realise that's the time I've got to sit down and just relax, give yes. Sarah a cuddle, and yes. she's all over me at that stage. And then we just keep going. Yeah. So she's my my independence in real terms.
0: That's fabulous. In fact, it's extraordinary. I could do with Sarah in my house, helping me to find my glasses, my keys, <laughs> and my remote. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, And I know that you, when you say you travel a lot, I think you said something something like you've been on 60 flights.
1: So Sarah's done over 60 flights now with Virgin, and she certainly knows the routine. She carries her own ticket onto the plane, and it's really me showing off, having a bit of fun. But she knows which row to go into, which is row three, and she lies down at the window seat on the floor. Um, So she really knows the routine. I often talk to a passenger down the aircraft for half an hour and I know that she won't move. So it's having that confidence that makes all the difference.
0: Yeah, it's, it's actually remarkable. I find it extraordinary. Are these the same sort of dogs that are trained for people with eyesight issues?
1: No, they're guide dogs. dogs are often used for PTSD Um, They can be used for children with a huge range of disabilities. Uh, There's hearing dogs. There's all sorts of assistance dogs. Mm. And, of course, an assistance dog is allowed anywhere except for a court or a zoo. So Sarah stayed in hospital with me. um, So they're allowed almost anywhere.
0: Yeah. And I wonder why they're not allowed in a court.
1: Uh, I'm not sure about that. Whether they think... It will take the concentration off for the jury. I, I have no idea. I I put in a formal question about that, but I never heard back.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Um, Phil, you've mentioned um, the importance of a, a good GP and how useful Dementia, dementia Australia has been. Um, and you've got your your helper dog and you've you've got the support of family. I was sorry to hear that you lost some friends that's really sad in my opinion but um uh I don't even really know what to say about that but it's good to hear that you've made new friends and that you've got so many supports but is there anything else um that you can recommend for people or is there anything else about your story Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah there is Susie um one of the big things that's always benefited me is being very open about my younger onset dementia. I can be in a supermarket with Sarah and I can be looking for a product up. You know how bad it is trying to find something on the shelves. That's right. Well, I get totally confused. And if someone's walking past, i go, Hi, my name's Phil. I have younger onset dementia. Could you help me find this particular product? And 99% of the time, they go, of course. Yeah. And then I chat to them because they're interested in Sarah. And then I talk about dementia Australia. Yeah. And so being open about it has made a, a really positive difference.
0: That's great. And I, I um, suffer from depression at, at times. And I also talk and advocate about mental illness, which is partially why I'm working on this show. Um is there anything else about your story that you think is important to tell people that we haven't covered?
1: One point, and that's risk-taking. It's so important, I think, to continue to take risks. If someone said, oh, no, I don't think you should be going on the train by yourself, yeah, you know, stuff it. Go and yes. do it. If you, yes. if you get lost, I mean, call Triple O or yeah. find a policeman. You know, that's happened to me once, and I got taken home. Yeah. It was it was easy, so yeah, get out yeah. there and take some risks. Um, because if you don't do that, I I think you're closing your whole world, and it and you don't need to.
0: Yeah, and another thing just with regard to what you're saying, they say even if you don't have dementia, when you drive to work, for example, you should drive a different way every day because it improves neuroplasticity in the brain, Um, whereas like not taking risks or doing anything different sort of sets you into a bit of a a neural rut. Um, One thing we haven't discussed at the moment is... um, we're, we're, we're hoping to get a, a neuro, neurobiologist or neurologist on here to discuss all the treatments and research um, that is underway at the moment, but certainly things that are linked to cognitive decline include diet and drug use, as well as obviously there's so many reasons why you can end up with um, dementia, um, and exercise. So exercise is linked to improving, improving your function. Um cognitively. Do you do you exercise, Phil?
1: Um, not enough. I do, and I stopped alcohol. Uh my diet's not fantastic, but I haven't put on weight. I'm six foot three and uh, you know, I'm doing all right in that area. The worst thing you can do is to drink alcohol to excess. It's just the worst drug, and it is a drug, uh, for someone living with younger onset. Dementia. So I think it's if you're a heavy drinker, it's really important to cut down yeah. or give the whole thing a miss.
0: Yeah, that, that sounds like very good advice. Um, just to finish with Phil, how can people make contact with you? What's your Twitter handle and how can they find out about all these upcoming talks and lectures that you're going to be giving?
1: Um, best to contact me on. Uh, Twitter or follow me uh, and that is Phil Hazel, one L and Phil, two L's and Hazel, uh, then the number one, Phil Hazel one, or they're welcome to email me.
0: Okay and what's your email address?
1: It is G O O S E numerals 59 at live.com. Goose happens to be my nickname.
0: Okay. How did you How did you get that nickname?
1: Probably 30 years ago, I was out camping, I think, and I did something stupid and someone said, oh, you big goose, and it just stuck.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Look, Phil, thank you so much for your advocacy um, for those with cognitive decline and their carers. And you really are a great inspiration. And we're very grateful that you took the time to share your story here on Brainwaves. I'm sure it's gonna help a lot of people, particularly like this subject becomes more and more relevant as our population ages. And of course, we don't even know what the impacts of COVID nineteen will have on um, cognitive function. So it's wonderful to have people out like you out there that show that you can have a fulfilling life. And um, you know, basically, you're, you're you're extraordinary in my opinion. And thank you.
1: You're very welcome. Thanks, Susie.
2: Thanks, Phil, for coming on the show today and sharing your knowledge and insight with our listeners. A big thank you to Susie for organizing and interviewing today. Um, I really hope that everyone has enjoyed today's show. You can find more of our show notes um, and shows at our website, brainwaves.org.au or on the 3CR website, 3CR.org.au or on Spotify or wherever you happen to download your 3CR podcast. Now, we'd love to hear from you, so if you've got a story to share or if you'd like to send us some feedback or suggestions for future shows, please email us at wellways.org. Thanks for listening today, everyone. Please stay safe. We'll be back next Wednesday at 5pm for another episode of Brainwaves on 3CR. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.